Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. The Lord our healer, and he calls himself that in the 15th chapter of Exodus, the one we're going to study today. Father, open the word, we ask, and our hearts to your word. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Most people have no problem theorizing that God is powerful enough to help them if he wants to. But if asked the question, does he want to, their answer is far less confident. Either they aren't sure whether God wants to help them or not, or may admit they actually suspect he may be the one who brought the problem upon them in the first place. So when it comes to asking for help, many people are unsure of whether they can expect his help or not. But when we're sick or in trouble, there's no one we want on our side more than God. So if there were a way to be sure he wanted to heal us or help us, that would be one of the most helpful truths we could know. It would be encourage us to be bold in our prayers and full of faith. We would be certain he wanted to do miracles on our behalf. At a place called Marah, God turned a poisonous pond into a pool of fresh water. He told Moses to throw a tree into the pond and instantly its waters became fresh. He did it this way so the entire nation could observe how easy it was for him to help when they had a need. And then he made a promise to them. He said if they would live by certain guidelines, they would never again have to ask whether he wanted to help or heal them. They would always know the answer. And since those guidelines still work today, let's learn what we must do to know him as Jehovah Rapha. Exodus chapter 15. We pick up at verse 22. We've just followed the parting of the Red Sea and the drowning of the Egyptian army. There has been a great worship celebration on the eastern shore of the Red Sea. And then this takes place. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore it was named Marah, which means in Hebrew, bitter. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and a regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your healer. Would you read that last statement with me? For I am the Lord your healer. In Hebrew it would read, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Why don't we say that? I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Notice the personal pronoun. It's there in the Hebrew. That's not something the translators added in. I am the Lord your healer. How personal could he make it? How definitive could he be? He says, I am Jehovah Rapha. Now, look there at verse 25, the last statement. It says, and there he tested them. A test 
is this, I think. It's when God puts us in a situation where we will be forced to make a choice to obey him or not. The choice we make will affect what he will do for us in the future. He traps us. He catches us in situations. He, you'll find yourself every so often in a place where you have to make a choice to obey or not to obey. And you didn't even want to be in this position. Just there you are. The Lord's testing us. He tests us and watches to see what we're doing. Well, he says, I'm going to give you a test. And here's the test. It's verse 26. I'm going to give you a, a promise, a very clear promise. If you will keep these conditions, then I will do these things. The conditions are three, and we'll go over them in a minute. But he says, if you'll do them, then here's what you can expect. One is, I will put none of these diseases on you, you that I put on the Egyptians. In other words, I sent plagues and all kinds of trouble on them. I was the one who was behind the problems for Egypt. But you'll know this. If problems come to you, it won't be from me. I will not be the one who sent your problems. If you, you walk with me, you can count on this. I won't send the problems. He didn't say there wouldn't be problems. He simply said he wouldn't send them. That's an important distinction, isn't it? You know, I've been in a lot of hospital rooms. I've been in a lot of bedsides over the years of people who are ill. And I've watched something that really touched my heart. One of the things that's the most painful for people is not the sickness itself, but the sense sometimes of feeling guilty or ashamed that they're sick, feeling maybe God was punishing them, wondering these questions, what have I done? Why me? You ever heard that? Why me? As if God's up there going, shell's time, let's get him. You know, as if you've been picked out, bzz, the button got hit, and, and God's coming after you personally. There's a reason behind it. Well, if God's your problem, who's your source? Who's going to help you? If God sent it, if God gave you the sickness, I suppose we should pray you get sicker. It's God's will. It's kill him, God. No, just don't pray, okay? Very often, people feel, God is punishing me. God's doing this to me. What a, what a gnawing, miserable thing. Not only do I have to suffer with a disease, but i got to feel guilty about it, on top of it. That makes it three times worse, not twice. Wouldn't it be lovely to know what he says here? He says, you walk in my ways. I want you to know something. Your problems will not be for me. I'm not sending them. And you'll know this, that when there are problems... I am right beside you, and my name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your solution, the Lord, your help, the Lord, your healer, the one who's there committed to you when you need him. Now, how would that change our prayers if we knew that? If, I, if you knew that you knew that you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wanted to help you, that God was committed to healing you, to, to helping you whatever, throughout every crisis, how would you pray? Would you pray aggressively? Would you be persistent in your prayers? You ever ask somebody to pray for you and you say, would you pray for me? And they say, sure. And they put a kind of a, a limp hand on your shoulder and go, oh God, you know this person. And you, you, if it's your will that you maybe help them, would you do, maybe do that? We just thank you, Lord. And this person doesn't deserve this. Uh, help them. Why don't you help them? You know, it's kind of like getting a nice little one of those greeting cards. But there's no power in it, is there? Then you've asked other people to pray for you. So, would you pray for me? And 
They put a hand on you and they go, in the name of Jesus, you know, and they just whomp and they hit you. And go, Whoa, wow, what happened? You know, and they begin to bind the thing and pray over you. Which would you rather have when you're in trouble? Option A or option B? I'd rather have option B. I'd rather have feisty. I'd rather have somebody with some confidence something's going to happen here. Not, not, all, not, not somebody who's going, I, oh God, maybe if maybe you're going to help here. I can do that by myself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can worry in his presence all by myself. I'd like somebody with some boldness. But, you know, God says here there's some terms to this thing. Let's have a look at it. He says, I, there's, I'm gonna, he made for them there a statute and a regulation. Now, those are strange words, and I want to just define them for a minute. A statute are the agreed upon conditions of a covenant. God's saying, I'm making a promise to you, but it's a conditional promise. There's an if you do this, then I'll do this kind of promise. Sometimes he makes unilateral promises. He says, doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to do this. But in these case, this case, he says, no, it's if then. If you do this, I'll do this. And so he lays this thing down. He says, here's my, here's my, my statutes and a regulation of the commands issued by a king. The laws that are chiseled in stone. Here's my laws. He says, I'm setting down my standards for living. So he says, if you will... Do these things and keep my standards. You're going to know that I will put none of these diseases. I won't be your problem. And I will be Jehovah Rapha. He made a conditional promise. If you do this, I will do this. And had it written down so all could see. Well, what were his conditions? Let's look at them. Verse 26. First one, he said what? If you will, what? Mine says give earnest heed. What does yours say? Listen carefully would be about the clearest translation of the Hebrew there I could see. If you will listen carefully, if you'll listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, I'm going to speak to you. If you would listen to me, I would be your healer. I would be your blessing. And then what is the next line? Second condition is, do what's right in his sight. Obey him. If you'll listen, if you'll obey. And then he says... And if you will keep his commandments and his statutes, which are his righteous standards, if you live submitted to those. Let's go down those conditions a minute. First of all, he says, if you'll listen to his voice. I want you to understand that God's healing and God's answers to our needs often come by him speaking something to us that requires obedience. We often, when we pray for things, what we want from him is a zap. We say, oh God, help. And we want him to go, and thank you. Don't we? Lord God, I, I got this. Would you, would you heal it? You know, thank you. Now, sometimes he does, hallelujah. I mean, sometimes it's just gone, though, right now. But other times his healing comes another way. In fact, very frequently his healing or his help comes from the word of the Lord. The Lord speaking something to our heart that requires an obedience. If we obey, we receive the blessing. If we don't obey, nothing happens. Let me insert something here, because whenever I start talking about hearing the voice of the Lord, there's a certain percentage of people that get troubled. And you're saying to yourself, I don't hear the Lord like that. And that it annoys me when you talk about hearing from God. Well, let me say this. 
First of all, I believe the Lord speaks to everybody. So I believe you actually have heard but don't know it. That would be my, one of my commitments anyway. But secondly, you can hear. I have found, by my experience, and this seems, I, if I can tell from the previous services, it makes a few folks mad, but I have found that one of the things that turns the radio on, turns the hearing ability on, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't make you a better person than another person. It's not that, but it somehow turns the radio on. And by that, I don't just mean speaking in tongues. I mean the Lord's power touches you. And you something that... You are full of the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. But this is simply that touch of power that seems to open our spiritual ears. I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before, I don't recall, at our men's retreat over in Island Lake, a couple of brothers independently both came to me with this same request. They said, Pastor, I can't hear God. I, I, one guy said, my wife can and I said, I, yeah, I'm supposed to somehow be the leader of our family, but she's the one that can hear the Lord, and I can't hear. It's really awkward. I need to at least be able to hear, too. And I said, have you been baptized in the Spirit? He said, well, I don't know. He said, well, you need I said, well, let's find out, and, you know, let's go make sure. So I took him in a room, and I'm a Pentecostal, and name of Jesus, you know, and, and prayed over him, and indeed he got released. And he's come to me since and said, I hear now. I hear now. Now, what we are not hearing is voices, I hope. <laughs> I mean, this isn't, you know, Steve on. Not that kind of thing. God speaks to us spiritually to our spirit. You are spirit. And believe it or not, you can hear spirit as loud as you can hear audible. If you just have the radio on. If you understand what you're listening to. If you understand his voice. You can hear him. He's, he speaks to you. And he guides you that way. So I say that not to be discouraging, but to actually encourage. And if you say, I don't have that, but I'd like it, I want you to know you can have it. And one thing I'm committed to this year is, beginning now in the fall, every month or two, we're going to have an evening to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'll lead it. It'll be a Sunday evening, right in here probably. And we're not going to push you. We're not going to frighten you. We're not going to make you do something you don't want to do. But we're going to wait on the Lord. My point will not be simply to coach you into speaking in tongues. My point will be to have you really have that touch of God. Bottom line, I want you to know that you know that you know the Lord has touched you. That's what I want. It'll turn the radio on. And do I think tongues is a precious gift? You bet. And it seems to release a lot of the other gifts. And I'd like you to have that. But I won't force that on you. But I, do, I would like you to have it. That was my aside. Now back to the point. You need to be able to hear the Lord. You need to be able to hear the Lord. Think of the example of Naaman the Syrian. Do you remember that story in the Old Testament? Naaman was a general of a foreign nation, and he had terrible leprosy. And he had a servant girl who had actually was, a, was an Israelite girl who had been captured in the war, and she was his slave. And she, she loved the family. And she came to him one day, and she said, you know there's a God in Israel who can heal you. So she's got faith. There's a God in Israel who can heal you. And so he went, he's a high-placed political officer, he goes to the king of Israel and says, I hear you can heal. The king says, get out of here. What are you? Because he's not a righteous king. He says, but we have a prophet, go talk to him. And so he sent him to Elijah. Well, he pulls up in his chariot outside of Elijah's house and, you know, the, sends in this message. 
And Elijah does not even personally come out of his little house, little old house. He doesn't even come out, but sends his servant out to talk to the general who's in his chariot with a motor running. You know, so he's out there, this proud general, and here comes the servant, and the servant says, the prophet says, go dip seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be healed. Now, how did, how did Naaman respond? He was furious. He's already insulted that the prophet won't come out and personally talk to him. And then tells him to dip in that muddy river. We sing songs about roll on mighty Jordan. Well, you need to understand it is neither mighty nor rolls. It's kind of a creek in, in spots. I mean, you know, it's, it, but hallelujah for that river. But the uh, general says, we've got far better rivers in Syria. It's a matter of washing. I'm not washing here. And so he wails on the, on the, on the, on the horses and takes off down the road. When they finally slow down and the, his servant catches up, his servant says to him, Master, if he'd asked you to do a hard thing, wouldn't you have done it? Why don't you just dip seven times like he said? I mean, we're on the way to Syria. You know, when you're passing the river, just plump, plump, plump. <laughs> I promise I won't laugh. <laughs> And so the general, like, what have I got to lose? So he goes to the river, and you can just imagine this scene. This was awkward. I mean, he goes in, and he's got to get deep enough, and then he's got to go down seven times. Not once, seven times, count them. And so he, and you know he would look and see, you know, is it better yet? Not better yet. Two. Hey, you said you wouldn't laugh. Shut up. Now, when did he get healed? You bet. He wasn't any better on six. It's the way God is, isn't it? Why was the Lord doing that? Because the obstacle to this man's healing is his pride. Do you get it? So God is putting him, he's testing him. He's giving him an opportunity to be healed. Will he humble himself and submit to the word of the prophet? Or will he be proud and preserve his pride and stay diseased? That's his choice. He's been put in a test. And fortunately, the man passed the test and was dramatically healed and became a follower of the Lord God. Hallelujah. Remember the ten lepers that came to Jesus? Jesus said to them what? Did he, did he heal them on the spot? He did not. He said, I want you to go and show yourselves to the priests, which meant present yourselves as clean. Well, they're not clean yet. They're still full of leprosy. And it says they went, and as they went, they were healed. I'm telling you, if they'd have stood there waiting to get better, saying, I'm not going anywhere until this is cleaned up, it wouldn't have healed, would it? It was in the obedience that the healing flowed. Let me give you an illustration. Last summer, we had a summer, on our summer mission, we were in Wapato. And uh, that is a Native American community, and we were rebuilding an old Elks Club. And uh, Jeff Yellowal is a friend and a tremendous pastor. And he, he had this dingy old Elks Club. It was a mess. And we were turning it into a beautiful church. One of the things we did is put six large skylights in the auditorium. Just brought all this light in. It was just beautiful. But that required putting all of these chimneys up in there and redoing everything. It was 105 outside. 
And so the team that was up in the rafters, I mean, it's like, a, I don't know, 120 or something. It's very, very hot, right under the old shingle roof, this rotten shingle roof, which we later replaced, uh, under that heat. Well, one of our team members came down, and he was ill. I mean, the heat really got him. He's working hard and long up there, and his, he, he, was got, and he says, I can't go up, I'm ill. And uh, so we got a team around him, laid hands, and prayed, you know, for his healing. And as I was part of that, and as I laid hands on him, the Lord gave me one word, just really clear. It's a very powerful spiritual word. Gatorade. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Gatorade. Hallelujah, Lord. <laughs> Any other words? <laughs> so when we're done, I turned to him and I said, the Lord's got a word for you. Gatorade. Gatorade? Gatorade. He said, I said, no, you're supposed to drink it. Now, you need to know this guy's kind of a finicky eater. And so I don't think stuff like Gatorade would necessarily pass his lips. I don't know. But he went, and about half an hour, I don't remember, later, I came to him. I said, are you feeling any better? And he says, no. I said, did you drink Gatorade? He said, no, I, I drank another sports drink. I said, God said Gatorade. <laughs> Not that. So I said, I'll get you something. He says, no, I'll get it. I said, no, I'll get it. And I went and got him this thing. And I said, drink this. Fifteen minutes later or so. Wasn't long. He's back up in the rafters. Now, I don't know what's in Gatorade. I don't know why it had to be Gatorade. I don't, I don't understand that fully. But did you notice that his healing was contingent upon a word of knowledge and the obedience to that particular word in detail? And in his obedience, he was, he, he was healed and strengthened. And maybe I say, we had a minimal team at that, in that mission, and we desperately needed him. And indeed, the Lord gave us right back, word of knowledge, Gatorade. And he's back up. Hallelujah. I'll give you one more illustration. This is a powerful one. My wife and I have uh, a couple of friends. He's a, he's a spirit-filled Presbyterian pastor. Uh, one of the finest pastors I've ever known. He has several children. Well, he has one adopted son. His youngest is an adopted son. And his son had a terrible, terrible case of epilepsy. Um, when, he was, when, when the boy was young, I mean, like 9, 10, 11, he was... He would have like a hundred petty mal Caesars a day. He would have, he, would, he bit off his tongue three times. And he had, he had, he, I don't I can't remember the number of grand balls he would have, but he was just being devastated by that terrible, terrible disease. And if you know something about epilepsy, when you get it young, I mean, it's not going away. It just gets worse. It's, it's a very, it's a damage in the, in the, in the brain's arrangement or something. And so this, this man, prayed for the, for the sick himself, and he also knew some of the most powerful faith healers in the country. And he took his son privately to these faith healers and asked them to pray. And indeed they did, but to no avail. There was no help for Sam. Sam didn't get better. One day, his Sunday school teachers, a husband and wife, came to my friend, and they said, would you mind if we prayed for Sam? We would like to just make a real process of interceding for him. We'd like to spend some time with him. 
And he said, well, no, I'd be grateful if you did. And he, he said, they're just, they were just garden variety Presbyterians. He said, now they're spirit-filled garden variety Presbyterians. And wouldn't you think that a couple like that would have said, hey, if great faith healers can't he help Sam, who are we to think that we could be any help? Wouldn't that be how most of us would respond? I think I would have. But not them. They just said, can we pray for him? And, and the, fa the family said, well, certainly, thank you. And so they'd stop by on a Saturday morning and pick up Sam. And they'd take him to the park or they'd take him to the zoo. Or they'd just spend time with him, just being with him. And then during the week, they would wait on the Lord for Sam. Well, one day the Lord says to them, gives them a word, Sam should drink more water. Drink more water. Poor kid, now he's pumping water. By the way, at this point, he's... He's, he's just about out of school. I think he's dropped out of school. He's getting very sullen and very angry. You know, if you had that going on in your body, you'd get sullen and angry too. It's, it's a devastating thing. So his schoolwork's failing. He's getting angry. He's withdrawing. All of the damage to his psychology as well as his body is taking place. So they would pick him up. They would take him out. He needs to drink more water. Then later on, another word came. He needs to eat more fish. Fish. You know, you can imagine how a 12-year-old likes fish. We've got to eat more fish. And then came a very strange word. And this word was, the Lord wants to pray, wants us to pray for the healing of, of Sam's soul. We believe somehow he was traumatized in the womb. Now, that's really strange. I mean, come on. That's, only they, what they didn't know was that Sam had been found on, on a garbage can lid in an alley and that his mother had tried to abort herself they didn't but the Lord did now you say will that help I mean come on you're getting strange now aren't you well you figure it out they begin to pray for the healing of Sam's soul and at some moment he was instantly healed you don't get healed from epilepsy like that what happened he went on to catch up. We know this family. We've been out to lunch with them since, you know, we love them. And, of course, our question is, how's Sam? I mean, you know, what men and women of faith? Is he still better? Is he still well? <laughs> Last time we went, we went to a Mexican restaurant in L.A. with them. And, and how's Sam? Well, at that point, Sam went on to catch up three years in one year of schooling. He has since graduated from UCLA. If I recall, he had a degree in, I don't know, engineering or something. I mean, it's a real meal deal. Hey, and he's married, has a family. And we said, well, does he show any symptoms at all? <laughs> and our friend said, once in a while he blinks. And I said, his mother and I will go. And, and he said, the EEGs show him perfectly normal. Now, how do you do that? Here's the lesson my friend pulled out of this, and it's so powerful. He said, you know, I believe that every problem is like a lock. And there's a certain key that will open that lock. And he said, we often disqualify ourselves and we say, well, if so-and-so can't do it, or if somebody over here who's such a big shot can't do it, 
who, why would I think that God could use me? And he said, I believe that there's people all through the body of Christ who are the keys for those locks. And if they will simply wait on the Lord, all kinds of locks will open up. Think of the things that could change in people's lives through us if we would simply listen to the Lord. And look, what does he say here? If you will give earnest heed, listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his sight, not yours. Do what's right in his sight. Years ago, the Lord told me personally, he said, I want you to readjust your lifestyle. Seven, five, three. Seven days a week, I want you to pray. I want you to work five days a week, not six. Well, that was a little bit of a challenge for me. But, he's, but you know what you do on your day off normally. You work all week and you go home and mow the lawn and do all the repairs and then you go back to work. The Lord says, I don't want that. I want a true Sabbath. I want you to rest physically and I also want you to spend serious time with me, talking to me and letting me guide you. So you can take either day, but one of them's mine. Okay. And then he says, three days a week exercise. Well, I don't always do this 100%. And so lately, I've let, I've let the exercise kind of go. I was so busy. Let some of the Sabbaths go. What starts happening? Well, my back starts hurting. I start having all kinds of aches and pains and ills. So I'm not doing what I've told. Years ago, Jack Hayford had sur surgery. And I remember him making this comment. He said, if I had done 10 years ago what God told me to do, I wouldn't be having the surgery. How many of us? He's told us what to do, but we don't do it. That's where. He says, if you listen to my voice and do what I tell you to do, you won't, I'll send on you none of these diseases, and I will be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. And what's the last part? He says, if you will give ear to my commandments and all my statutes... In other words, if we will live submitted to his righteous standards. Well, for the Hebrew people, there were the standards were things like the, the food laws. The things they could eat and not eat. You know, wild, strange things like don't eat dead things you find by the side of the road. Can you see the health benefit in that? <laughs> don't put dead things in the well. That'll, that'll, that's, those are wisdom. Those are wisdom. In the Middle Ages, when the bubonic plague would sweep through Europe, one of the odd things is that the Jewish community wouldn't get sick. And so people began to suspect why. They decided the Jews were poisoning the wells. And, they, and that initiated terrible persecutions of the Jewish people because they were healthy. Because why? Why were they healthy? Why didn't the bubonic plague get them? They weren't touching dead bodies and they were, they were keeping kosher and clean. They were following the, the standards the law, Lord had given them. And he says, if you obey these things, I will put none of these diseases on you and I'll be Jehovah Rapha to you. And he was. He's the Lord, their healer. And yet, the Gentile community persecuted them for their very health. How about this? He says sexual purity. There's sexual purity laws. Well, think with me for a moment. If we were all sexually pure, would that make a difference in our health? If you've been reading the paper, you have seen that AIDS now 
is just running loose. I mean, they said it's out of hand and growing much faster than they thought. They're not controlling it. There's a new brand of syphilis that has no, no remedy for it. There's no medicine to stop it. What if the world just obeyed the Lord on his sexual standards? You would wipe out a huge amount of disease, wouldn't you? You see, he says, if you just do what I say, you'll be healthy. There's some other things. How about, how about avoiding demons? When he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, he says, just stay away from the demons. But you and I don't have to worry about demons. They all live overseas. <laughs> Are you aware what's going on in America? Are you aware that this country is being increasingly demonized? Because we are opening the doors, we are opening the floodgates to every kind of filth, every kind of perversity, and we are denying the Lord every place we turn around. And here it comes. Here it comes. And we see it. We see people now who have problems and, and stuff in their homes and in their families that goes way beyond any kind of just psychological issues or health issues. They're being assaulted. There's stuff we have to address and get out of their lives before they can even go on and be free. Demonization. We don't have carved idols in our country, much at least I hope, but we put it on the screen and we put it on the internet and we fill ourselves with all kinds of vile things. May I tell you something? When you let the snake in the house, it's not discriminate as to what it bites. You damage your children, you damage your spouse, you let stuff in. And so people are entertaining. I had, a, I had a, a young woman at the altar last night. Her mother had been into all kinds of occultic things. And she, now the mother has come to the Lord, but the house is still full of this stuff. And she says, I can't sleep. There's fear in the house. She says, I can't stand to be in the place. And says, we'll, we'll come over, Ghostbusters. We'll, we'll. <laughs> Actually, in the authority of the Lord, you can get that trash out of there. But it's real stuff. He says, avoid demons. And then how about this, the day of rest? What is the percentage of psychologically induced disease in America? Isn't it about 70%? I think I've heard 70% of the things that people physically suffer are due to psychological. Now, that doesn't mean they aren't real. It doesn't mean they're not really sick. But it means it's coming out of stress and fear and anger and bitterness and all of the churning psychological junk inside. The ulcers and the cancers and the th stuff that's coming out of here. What would happen if we actually took a day and rested and worshipped the Lord and gave him our worries and let him talk to us about our angers and realized our purpose and plan in life? What would happen to the depression? What would happen to the turmoil? What would happen if we were at peace? Would we be healthier? This isn't far-fetched. These things are real, but, but you do have to do them. He simply says, if you'll listen to my voice, give earnest heed to what I tell you, do it, and give ear to my commands and my statutes, You'll never have to ask the question, did I bring it? I won't. You say, well, can it come from other sources? One more text and we're done. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. Here he says in verse 11, 
O afflicted one and storm-tossed and not comforted. And then he begins to say, I'm going to put around you a defense that will be absolutely sure and protect you completely. He says, all your children will be taught of the Lord. In righteousness you'll be established and oppression and fear will be far from you. And then in verse 15, look at that verse very carefully. It's, if anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be what? It will not be from me. Do you see that? He doesn't say we won't be fiercely assailed. But he says, if they do, I didn't send it. This isn't my judgment. You're not being punished by me. Now what is it? He goes on to say, he says, I could if I wanted to. Verse 16, I create the trouble and I need to. But verse 17, here's, here's the promise. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage. It's what the servants of God inherit. And their vindication, being announced righteous, being defended in court, is from me, saith God. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your advocate. I'm with you and I will fight for you. If, any, if you're my people, you walk in my ways, you live under the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you never have to ask the question, did I send this? You know I'm your healer. You know I'm your advocate. Turn to me immediately, confidently, boldly, and ask me for help. That'll change our prayer life. And that'll change the way we live life. Who today needs to hang on to Jehovah Rapha and turn to him confidently and say, you're my healer and my help. Would you stand? Those of you that need to. Those of you that are making that, that testimony right now. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you there in Jesus Christ, all your promises are yea and amen. As we come in faith, believing in him, trusting in him, that's our righteousness. That's the fulfillment of the requirements. That we belong to you, Lord Jesus. We aren't perfect, but we don't have to be. We have to be sincere and love you. And we indeed do. We confess you as Lord and Savior. And therefore, Lord, we stand covered with the blood of Christ, covered with that righteousness, and given every promise in the book. It's ours. And right now, Lord, we declare over these beloved who are standing right now, he has not put these diseases, these troubles. He's not the source. No matter what's coming, he's not the source. He's not the source. You're not being punished. This isn't his plan for you. But he, you turn to him now and you will find him to be Jehovah Rapha. The Lord, your healer. The Lord, your deliverer. This mighty one will fight for you. When you're slandered, he will vindicate you. This warrior will go to war against that which comes against you. To defend you and to rescue you. Lord, right now we pray for the gift of faith to fill our hearts. Where we have doubted, where we've waffled, where we've been afraid and turned to the right and the left, forgive us. And we just come remembering your, your word. You are to us our healer. You are to us our deliverance. You are our vindicator. You are our great warrior. We bless you, Father. 
And we pray for the gift of faith to be given to everyone standing right now. May the power of God be on you from the tip of your head to the sole of your feet. May his faith fill you and burn in you. May the Lord give you boldness in your prayers. Confidence in his love for you. Confident of his absolute commitment to you. May the Lord make you feisty and courageous as you lay hold of his hand and move forward in victory. Praise you, Lord God. I thank you. We just, by faith right now, thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for coming into this problem and breaking its power. Thank you, Lord, for guidance. And Whether you bring a word of knowledge or you zap, whichever, we're welcome at either one. Come, Lord, with your answer. Know this, if you speak to us, we'll listen carefully. If you tell us something, we'll obey. And, Lord, we choose to live by your righteous standards. We thank you for mercy and grace when we fail, but we come right on back to those righteous standards and choose to live wisely and obediently. And therefore, full of health, full of peace, full of strength, a blessing that words can't explain, that the world doesn't understand, because we have Jehovah, our healer, beside us. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. If that's your prayer and you really believe he'll do that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.